Welcome to Baseball Biz. This is the World Series Edition. I'm Mark Corbett, your host, and also with me is my co-host, none other than the analyst, Mr. Brandon Noway. Brandon, how you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good, Mark. It's World Series time. Indeed it is. And my gosh, this has been a while. It's been a journey uh, for a short 60-game season. It's been an intense one for us and certainly for the players, especially when you think of how many games these guys have had to play, both the Rays and the Dodgers, in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, and they they're playing a lot of games anyways, but this is like high-intensity playoff games. And first few series, they didn't have any days off. This is the first time anybody's had a day off mid-series the whole postseason. And, I mean, you you think about this before we get into games and all that. I, here we are, both teams playing in a stadium that is never – it's not our home stadium for either one. This is more like a Super Bowl where the games are being played in a neutral stadium. More, the Dodgers have probably played more games in Globe Life Park or whatever it's called than the Rangers actually have. So that's part of the crazy part. Well, that that's it. I mean, I th- looking back, I would think that the Rays actually had an advantage for as many times as they played in Petco. But now here we are coming with the Dodgers, and they've been there, what, maybe three weeks now? So they've been in there all that time. And while this isn't their home you know, home field. It certainly is in the sense that these guys know every inch of that field. They know how things happen in there much better than, than uh, the Rays, but I think the Rays are catching on pretty quick. Yeah. From what I've seen, it hasn't really bothered them, at least in the field. So, well, here we are again in the midst of a potential seven game world series right now. We're both with two different teams here, the Dodgers and the Rays both having won one game apiece, and there's been all kinds of activity and certainly a lot of talk about what this means. Brandon, I was wondering if you could kind of give us a rundown of that first game, the score and the players, and what what were you seeing there? All right, well, Tuesday night was game one. We had Tyler Glass now for the Rays going up against Clayton Kershaw. I'll start with the Rays since they were the road team hitting first. Glass now, he went four and a third innings, six runs, all of them were earned, as well as six walks, eight strikeouts. And on offense, he had Kiermaier, the oldest Ray on the team, believe it or not. He was two for three with two RBIs and a homer, leading the way offensively, as well as Brasso, who pinch hit later in the game. He was one for one with with one RBI. And the Rays as a whole, with runners in scoring position, were two for five, so... Getting a little better with runners in scoring position, which is something I've harped on for a long, long time. Oh, yeah, me. rightfully so. <laughs> Mark's heard plenty of those. And on the Dodgers side, yeah, Clayton Kershaw on the mound. He went six innings, gave up one run. It was earned. One walk, six strikeouts. And offensively, Bucklin will be here a while. As Mookie Betts, he was two for four with an RBI and a homer. Max Muncy, two for four with two RBIs. Will Smith, not the Fresh Prince, but the different Will Smith. He was one for five, one RBI. Cody Bellinger, one for four with two RBIs and a homer. Taylor, two for three and an RBI. And Kike Hernandez, one for two with one RBI. And the Dodgers were five for five for 14 with runners in scoring position. And starting with the Rays, Glasnow, he started out really good, you know, going toe for toe with Kershaw the first three innings. And it really felt like it started to fall apart at the end. And we, Mark and I, we talked about this the other day. Why did they take 
Morton out after 66 pitches in Game 7 against Houston, but they left Glasnow in for double that in in this game, especially so early in the playoffs when Morton was Game 7. That was what five days ago already. Yeah. So he would have had so he would have had his normal five day rest even more now, but Glasnow could possibly be going on shorter rest maybe maybe five days depending on the situation in the series i don't really understand the what cash's thinking was on this one i don't i don't <laughs> what, what do you think mark i i have no idea i looked there and i saw oh my gosh glass now is up to 112 pitches <laughs> come on now okay i realize it's only four innings but geez my knees i mean the man's giving up what I think three hits, six runs, uh, six walks. Eight strikeouts are nice, but six walks? Come on, guys. Six earned runs? Why did it ever get to that point? I mean, I, I Cash, in his infinite wisdom, I did not understand that. Yeah, and Cash is usually like one of those guys where at least I think it, and I get you, you, you might do it too a little bit from what I understand. We may not agree with him, but it's kind of like, hey, he seems to know what he's doing most of the time. Let's roll with it and see what happens. And this seems like maybe something that didn't really <laughs> roll their way this time. Yeah, yeah. And then on the other side, Kershaw, he, was, he looked like regular season Kershaw. He was just mowing guys down. He was, he was completely dominant. He, he was absolutely amazing. And I'm glad he's having that season, but uh, I wanted to end here. Yeah, it figures that now he's he's finally facing our team in a World Series, and that's when he decides, oh, I'm going to be Clayton Kershaw tonight. I'm not. I'm going to end <laughs> all this talk about me not being a good World Series pitcher. Let's see if you look to. I mean, we had Glass now, and then as far as the rest of the guys, so he 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 did a great job getting six runs on the board, and then Fleming didn't do much better. I mean, Yarbrough came up for like two thirds of an inning. And pretty much had uh, two hits, but I don't think any runs were earned on his watch. Fleming came up, what, and did uh, two and two-thirds. He had five hits, two runs, one, let's see, one walk and two strikeouts, and one home run. And, you know, here, here's a number I wanted to talk about briefly, too, if we can. And that is, if we look at those walks, game one, the Rays, had seven walks, they had 11 strikeouts. Seven walks, okay? You do a comparison with the Dodgers for the same game, you're looking at one walk, one walk, and that comes from Kershaw, who pitched for six innings. Six innings, so one walk and 10 strikeouts. So one walk and 10 strikeouts compared to seven and 11 with the Rays. I think there's a pretty good sign right there that the walks are continuing to hurt that team yeah and, and we said this before many times throughout the playoffs is it's almost batter to batter sometimes with glass now and snell who we'll get into in a minute it's like their mentality changes completely to where i'm going to attack this guy but then the next guy you get up oh two and you have the chance to punch him out and then you know you'll throw a ball in the dirt or a ball in the other batter's box and then before you know it you're two two three two and you walk the guy now, you wasted all those pitches, and now you have a guy on base. It's like they, they don't attack every single batter when they have the chance. No, no, they don't. 
unlike Kershaw, who just went after everybody. Oh, gosh. You know, you, you see somebody like that, and he's so efficient, so effective. And, I mean, he's a legend now for a reason. You know, you were talking earlier about Kiermaier being the oldest Ray out there. I mean, Kershaw is probably the same for the Dodgers. Uh, probably, you know, you combine them, they're still probably not as old as Dusty Baker. But, uh, How old is Dusty Baker? Uh, I think he's, is he, is he 71? I don't know. But, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. I'll quit picking on Dusty. I'll leave that up to the other announcers. <laughs> but, geez, my knees, Brandon. I mean, you know, I, and I think after the initial postseason, we were seeing people like Randy Rosarina just, you know, really making a big, big difference. And that wasn't the case so much thus far, is it? No, it's really not. And I was talking with my dad last night and it was kind of like, when are teams going to figure out maybe don't throw him fastballs? Because they were saying it all serious against Houston. Don't throw fastballs against this guy. They still did it. And they would always show it during replays of the ball going over the wall. Yeah. And, you know, the Dodgers, there's a reason they're in the, the situation they are is because they put two and two together and like, hey, this guy succeeds against this pitch. Let's maybe not throw him these as much. There you go. And that's when you really have to rely on other guys to step up. And, you know, Kiermaier did and the veteran that he did, he stepped up offensively. Brasso, he stepped up as well in his limited chances. And that's how the Rays are going to, that's the only way the Rays are really going to be able to win this series, or at least have a really good chance, is if they're getting contributions from everybody and not just Rosarina one night and Margot another night. So, so now that you're putting on, you know, your professor's analyst hat, and you're saying that, yeah, we have to – are you saying it's, it's an offense thing? I mean, for especially looking just at game one, what would you say, analyzing that, that the Rays need to do above and beyond? I guess offense. What, what, what else? Anything else you would share wisdom with on? To me, the offense, we know it can put up runs. It's whether they can do it consistently. Like game two – we saw it; they could put up a lot of runs, and then we'll see some games where it's like they can't get anything going, especially when they went against Kershaw. But to me, the, the biggest key factors are the the starters. Yeah, because we saw it with Class Now and Snell, where they're just lights out the first three innings, and then you know they'll maybe get in their own way a little bit, trying to be cute with it <laughs> and not just keep doing what they were doing and going after guys, which was working. I think there's something to be said too. And this isn't toward the Rays. This is toward everyone out there on that field. This is the freaking world series. And this is a shocker. It's right between the eyes. This is something a lot of these people have never been to. And the course of their career, most players never get there. So, I think there can be kind of an overwhelming part of this. I don't know if that was true with what happened with Glass now the other night or not, but I, I know that it can be part of that. And Kershaw, Kershaw remained cool the whole time. He stayed right, right where he needed to be doing. I mean, that's the reason they kept him in there for six innings. Yeah, I believe the experience was, I don't remember what the Dodgers number was, but it's significantly more than the Rays, who only had two World Series experience games, and both of those were Charlie Morton. Yeah, And you, you could kind of tell that maybe game one, the Rays were sort of like, hey, we're in the World Series. We're going against the Dodgers, who have been there three of the past four years. Absolutely. And it's kind of like, 
another game for them almost. But they got past that. They got past game one, and then they had to move to game two. And when you start talking about the rundown in the game two, I want to make sure I say a little bit about Rosarina again and Margot. Uh, Are you ready to move on to this one and see what's what? Or is there anything we should tie up with game one? Any little bow we needed nightly neatly tie on there? No, I I think we got everything for game one. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So the Dodgers, they went up one nothing, And on to game two, you had Blake Snell for the Rays going on. It actually felt like almost a must-win game for the Rays. He went four and two-thirds innings, two runs. Both of them were earned. Four walks, nine strikeouts, but only two hits. Nick Anderson, he got the win. Luke got the hold. And Diego Castillo got the save with Luke and Castillo going a combined one and a third innings with three strikeouts. And as a staff, they combined for 15 strikeouts. Yowch. Offensively, Meadows, he was one for three. He's been struggling a lot lately, pretty much his whole year. So it was good to see him get, hopefully getting his mojo back. Brandon Lau out there with the greatest first name out there. He was two for five with three RBIs and two home runs. Represent the Brandons out there. Joey Wendell, one for three with three RBIs. And they were one for nine with runners in scoring position. And they had 10 hits tonight. And from what I heard, this is the first time in, I believe, eight games they've had more than eight hits. So it's been quite a while since they've had, I guess, what you could consider an offensive outbreak. That's how They were outstanding with that. For the Dodgers... A bit of an opener strategy for them. You had Gonsolin on the mound. Wasn't the prettiest. He went an inning and a third, one run. It was earned with a walk and a strikeout. Then Dustin May came up, came onto the mound. He went an inning and a third, gave up three runs, all of them earned with no walks and a strikeout. With, then Seeger, he was two for four with an RBI. Will Smith, one for four, one RBI. And Taylor, one for four with two RBIs. And they were 0 for six with runners in scoring position. And like we were saying earlier with Snell, to me, this was like a love-hate outing for me where he did really what he was supposed to do. I just went, wish he went longer because the nine strikeouts is great. The two hits is great. And the, the only two runs, that's fantastic as well. Like really gives you a chance to win. But it was all the walks and unnecessary pitches that really did him yeah. in again. I mean, four base on balls and four innings. That's that's just not there. But by the same token, you got nine strikeouts. So they, they kind of balance to some degree. But I always worry about all those walks. Yeah, and thankfully it didn't blow up in their face this time. But this stage of the game, and especially against this Dodgers team, where pretty much one through nine, they can kill you if you give them a chance. Last night they didn't, and especially in that eighth inning, the way it started, I mean, they cut the lead down to four to six, I believe it was. And then you have two guys run into each other. That allows Justin Turner to get to second with nobody out. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, no, this is how it's going to go, isn't it? And then thankfully they were able to work their way out of it. Yeah, it's those moments that give you the heavy heart, man. I tell you what, it was, you know, it's and some other things about this game. I mean, it drove me nuts. I mean, if you're looking here at the numbers, a lot of which you already covered, is we look at, we talked about what Snell did, but what, as a team, nobody else gave up any base and balls. Nobody else 
walked anybody on our team from what I'm, from my looks at my numbers here. And had a total while Blake gave us nine strikeouts. Looks like we had a total of 15 total for the team. And you compare that with seven that the Dodgers inflicted. And they also had four walks. <laughs> with how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven pitchers. Yeah, both seem, both teams really didn't feel like they had their A games going out on the mound. Or maybe this was just one of those games where the offenses were both clicking. But either way, was it eight combined walks? That's... Not something I really expect from two World Series teams. No, no. It it, it adds something that uh, just shouldn't be there. It's not a great thing. But it, it did make, nonetheless, it was a very interesting game. I was, a couple of people I'll pick up on, and that's Margot. Margot was, you know, he was pretty active out there. He did pretty well, all in all. I mean, watched him steal bases. That was great. Watched him steal second. Watched him steal third. But then he should have stayed on third. I mean, you, you saw that. There was no need for him to try to take home. There's something I always thought was a rule. Maybe, I mean, unless I miss something or I don't pull this out of a random part of my body, but I thought it That's was good here. <laughs> if you're on second or third and the ball is hit to your side of the field, you're supposed to freeze. I thought that was the thing. And especially on third with one out in the infield in, even if you run it, you're sitting duck anyways, you're going to be out by a mile. Now, I don't know if they had go on contact, if that was the play, what they were supposed to do, or if he went on his own, if he went on his own, that's, that's a horrible play. But if he was told like hit and run, then, you know, that's just baseball that, that happens. And unfortunately, you were thrown out at home with one out. A poor choice, whoever decided that. And that's, but the good news is the race still won. And I just sat down this morning and watched over again Loop and Castillo, watching Loop there, you know, in the eighth through the ninth. And that man was amazing. I mean, a limited number of pitches that he put out there. And what, what was it? I think he had 11 pitches and nine strikes if I'm looking at this properly and then to close out everything with Castillo three pitches and three strikes ah, gosh that last that last pitch he had was you know <laughs> we couldn't tell whether or not the batter had actually broke or not but the first base umpire said yes he did and that was that yeah I like it they're they're both like it's like maybe they both have dinner reservations later that night because they didn't waste any time getting out of there. I mean, 14 pitches to get four outs yeah. late in the game. And Luke, who, who really hasn't – it feels like we really haven't seen him at all this year. To come in and, in the World Series and pitch an inning, only throw 11 pitches and get two strikeouts, that's, that's, that's great to get from your bullpen guys who really don't get that much action. And you know, he's a surprise to a lot of the batters up there because they like I said they, they haven't seen him much. And two, when he throws, he does that sidearm throw. And I think mostly sidearm. And I think that freaks people out. They're not able to tell. I don't know what his release point's a little earlier or not, but whatever it is, they're not able to get the measure done. They look at that and he's doing a great job. Like I said, you, you can't have 11 pitches and nine strikes 
<laughs> and that doesn't, it makes a difference the way he's doing it. Yeah. And, and I'd love to see him being thrown out there again, because if, it, if it's working, keep doing it. Same with Castillo. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Castillo is like the ultimate weapon. You know, you bring out, remember those Star Wars movies when the, uh, and the Republic's coming there and they're bringing this giant gun. They're dragging it up to shoot at this base, the rebel base. And this thing is huge. You know, it's like, it's probably the size of a 20 story building. And the thing with it is, that's how I think about Castillo. He's this big giant gun who just comes in and poof, knocks everything out, just completely, you know, makes everything else dissolve. But I, as much credit as I want to give to Lupin Castillo at the end, I also want to give some love to Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson never, ever, ever ceases to amaze me what he's able to do. Yeah, and he hasn't had the prettiest postseason, especially what we've seen him seen from him the last year and a half since he came here from Miami, where he was basically shut down every single time. Getting him in there, I'm a little bit nervous about it, but he only really made one mistake the whole time. And outside of that, he looked like the Nick Anderson we've usually seen. I, I saw on Twitter some folks are trying to come up with a name for him, a nickname. And who was it? Was Stark? He asked Cash, he said, well, what do you call him? Do you call him a starter? Do you call him a closer? He said, Cash, said, I'll let you figure out what to call him. <laughs> and so he put basically a contest out there. People were looking at some old names like the fireman, plumber. You know, one of my favorite was Nick of, Nick of Time, <laughs> but just in the Nick of Time. But anyway, it goes, I'm, he's another guy I'm really glad to see up here. And he looks so determined. You know, you and I have talked before, like uh, looking at Fairbanks, Pete looks, when you look at his eyes, they just look so intense. And he said before, I wasn't sure if he was just nervous or if he was just ready to go ahead and take apart whoever he's looking at. But I think he's just that focused. And Anderson, Anderson, I think there's just a hint of menace in his eyes when he's he's eyeing up where that ball is going to go. Yeah, and I, I love when they, they show Fairbanks. His eyes are, like, huge. It's like, dude, you, you can close your eyes just a little bit. It'll be okay. But <laughs> I, if that's his game face, and like I said, it's not always the prettiest, but he gets the job done, you know. It doesn't have to be a Picasso. Do whatever works for you, as long as – you help the team get out of there with the win. Well, is there anything you want to say about any of the Dodgers? Uh, we haven't, you know, like I said, we are a raise a home team show, <laughs> but we try to give some kind of balance of what looks at the other team. So anything you wanted to look at, um, what was I say? Seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pitchers that they had. Um, not really the pitchers, but like offensively, it's how many teams out there do you really feel? Anywhere in the lineup, you're you're pretty much in danger. I mean, they started out right away with Mookie Betts, and then going all the way down to the ninth hitters. Anybody can start a rallyer with one swing of the bat, get get them closer or extend a lead. It's the Dodgers are like the ideal team that I want, and because they're balanced, they can hit the long ball. They can also put innings together, and they have two really good pitchers who can go six innings in Bueller and Kershaw, even more. And you can throw them out there and be like, we, we know what we're getting. You know, their bullpen isn't exactly the greatest. That's probably the only area where the Rays really outshine them. But could you imagine this Dodgers team with the bullpen of the Rays? 
Oh my gosh, that that would that would be so impressive. That would just be completely knock it out of the park. Just call me old fashioned, but I love, like I said, the way they play. They they're balanced. They can put an inning together, you know, singles, doubles, and those steel bases. And you know, I know the whole thing. You know, the analytics is like, oh, that doesn't ceiling bases doesn't mean anything, or you know, it's pretty much home run or nothing. The Dodgers aren't a home run or nothing team. They're doing it. They're almost an old fashioned team the way they go about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe Dusty Baker is coaching for them. <laughs> All 71 years of them. There we go. Now, you know, one thing I enjoyed about the game last night watching Mookie Betts. I think this was the last night. One, watching being struck out by one of our pitchers. I enjoyed that. Okay. That was neat. And two, Watching him getting on second and being there with the Damas and them having their little second base conversation. Did twice, I think it was last night. And one of the times Damas probably got in his way while he was while Betts was running to second and he probably knocked they probably knocked one another over. But I would love to be out there to hear what the conversation is between those guys. Are they sitting out there and uh, you know discussing the investments that Mookie has in his stocks are, are they talking about how, how much swag each one of them has in their, in where they appear on their team? Are they sharing, uh, sharing little special moments or is Adama's out there trying to keep him distracted so that he's not focusing on the game? I don't know, man, but to me, it adds an entertainment factor to the game nonetheless. Yeah. I wish they would mic guys up more so you could listen to them throughout the games. Because I'd love to hear what they're saying. You know, are they greeting each other, or could be could Mets bets be saying, "Hey, uh, get out of my way, my guy! Come on now, you, <laughs> I could have gone a third. Yeah. Is, is it friendly, or is it? You know, they're saying mean things to each other, just putting a smile on their face. They need one of those spy mics. You know, though they don't even know they're mic'd up, so they can just point it straight at those two folks and pick up their conversation, filter out everything else, and just get what they're saying. But no, I'd love to hear that. You know, I've always wondered, I have to find a book somewhere where a first baseman has written about their experiences in conversations, or the first base coach, because there's going to be all kinds of things that have been said out there, too. It's, you know, it's it's just a sad part of the game that makes it very exciting. Hey, one thing I did want to touch on while we're here, Brandon, and that's what we are talking about earlier with Snell. You're not getting the win for the game. That's an official scorer's job, but it's generally a job assigned because did you hit five innings? And he did. He did four and two-thirds. I was tweeting with some folks today from uh, SABR, the folks who do a lot of research in baseball, and they were bringing up a whole historical thing, which I'm still just now beginning to dig into. But I think it's ridiculous. Either you give the win to the pitcher who's done all that work, or you just take away the whole idea of assigning a win to any particular pitcher because the game has changed. You know, if you have people like Cash, you may not see that many pitchers who are making a big, big, big difference in the game getting the win, which I think is a little ridiculous. I understand the saves, but how many, (laughs) I would love to see as a metric somewhere, how many of Ray's pitchers when games that have been won Walk out with an ND, no decision, as opposed to a win. I honestly don't know. It can't be a very high number because anytime we see somebody go like 
six innings for the Rays. It's like, wow, that was a really long outing for them. Exactly. So I, I don't know. I'm going to do a little homework, see what I can find out. I'll be curious to know MLB average for that compared to the Rays. So we'll see. I wonder if there if that is something that's going to change. Because like you said, the game is changing where the starters aren't relying on as much to go deeper into games. We see it now, you know, with the opener and guys only going four or five innings. I wonder if in in time, if they're going to have to reconsider how they hand out wins and losses because of that. Yeah, I, I think that there should be some consideration there. It doesn't make sense to stay the same. There's a lot of things about this game that change for this season. And I'm not saying that should be one just for this season, but I think a lot of what happens with the rules in this game are being reevaluated. Even things like, you know, putting somebody on second and you have a double header going on and putting them on it if you're in the 10th inning. There's, you and I have talked about this before. At the end of the season, you and I are going to sit down and kind of evaluate all the things about that worked and didn't work built for this season. There was an interview with, let's see, Rob Manfred last night. And again, I'll, I'll dig back into that. Yeah, I hear that. I uh, see. Yeah. Brandon, go ahead and just kind of had his head go back and forth here. Like, oh my gosh, Manfred. But we'll, we'll get into that on a, on another one. So anyway, those are my thoughts. Now, now we're looking for something exciting come up here. I mean, today we have the off day. Here we are and Thursday and the games resume tomorrow. And guess what? The Rays will be the home team. Yes, we took away home field advantage. Yeah, let's see how we are. So we traveled right back to Texas to see the game. And starting tomorrow, we begin three games with the Rays at home. So we have the home field advantage. And I guess the best part of that is, yes, we have one more at bat potentially than our uh, opponent. Hopefully they don't, they don't have to use them and they just get it done in the top of the ninth. Amen, brother. Amen. So that's what we're looking for. And I'm third game. So tomorrow when it starts again, looking at two of the two of the top pitchers in the game, as far as I'm concerned. Charlie Morton. Go ahead. Charlie, I, I don't know. I could just stop right here. Charlie Morton. Do I need to say anything else? No. I mean, they can just listen to the last podcast, which basically could be titled the, the Charlie Morton Love Show, the way we were talking about him. But yeah, go I mean, you got him, go, him going up against Walker Bueller in his tight pants. It, this might be the one game where it's like a one nothing 2-1 game. It may very well be, and, and I'll be curious to see how it plays out. Anytime I get to watch Charlie Morton, it, it's, it's going to be an exciting night. And Walker Bueller, you know, yeah, knew, wish you the best, but not so really. And I'm excited to see what that happens. I'm excited to see if Brandon Lau, who just exploded last night in game two with two home runs, and watching that, seeing if that kind of energy continues into game three, and, you know, seeing Meadows warm up a bit too. And if Rosarino comes back in and they don't do intentional walks on him as they did the other night, he has, you know, one more opportunity to be able to hit hopefully multiple home runs again, just like Brandon did last night. That's That may be asking a bit, but the way that man goes aggressively at the ball, it's the potential is there. Yeah, and the Rays seem like they know what they need to do. You know, Offensively, other guys are going to have to step up because that's what great teams do. They take away your best weapon, and a Rosarina has been their, their best weapon the whole postseason. It's been no secret. You have to have other guys step up, and that's what they've had had going for them so far this season or this series. Well, you know, that that's it. It's, it's exciting times. 
We've got some players who have just really evolved. We've got some that have come back and set fire. We've seen people who like Rosarina, whose favorite Cuban player is Rosarina. And uh, he said the other night, but the thing of it is the confidence, the energy, the excitement, the cowboy boots, it's all there. And the next thing that's going to happen is, you know, these three games. A lot of people think it's going to go seven games. I don't know. But I think last night the Rays have proven, yes, we, we're, we're going to be here. Guess what? We didn't take all these steps and get to this point and say, well, you know, the Rays, they're a young team. And uh, I guess, you know, but they're not like the Dodgers. It's right. They're not like the Dodgers. They're not like a lot of teams. So I'm going to wish them best. Any, any parting words, any insights or that we should share with the folks? Well, as a Rays fan, I personally hope this this series ends Sunday with the Rays taking the next three games. But as a baseball fan, I want this series to go seven because both of these games have been so much fun to watch. I don't really want it to end, to be honest. Here, here. I, I'm with you. I'm, I want to <laughs> say, so as a Rays fan, go ahead, wrap it up, get it done. But this has been some most exciting baseball to watch. And, of course, having the Rays in the World Series makes it very exciting for you and I both as race fans and for a lot of folks who are listening with us today. But Brandon, you've, you've done a great job. Once again, I'm Mark Carbett. We're here at baseball biz. We're going ahead and take, take a look at the first two games of the world series. We'll keep all of you up to date and you can continue to follow what's happening also with Brandon at the sports blitz one on Twitter and also at the baseball biz. You can find me and Brandon, We'll be coming back in just a few days to talk more about the World Series, and we look forward to talking with you then real soon. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for providing music rocking forward.